0: Hey friends, today I'm talking with Karen Flynn. She's the founder of Holos, which is a weekly newsletter that's for women mm, adventuring and journeying through their midlife. It covers health and wellness. It covers longevity and purposeful living, which is related to the topic we're covering today, soulful evolution. So, she's a former CEO of Bay Area Discovery Museum. We both shared past lives of working in the wealth management space. She's also a mentor for veterans. She's on several boards. She's a wife with three kids. She's an athlete. She's everything. And she's a world traveler. So, we also share that in common. So, in our discussion, we talk about what soulful evolution means, how it appears in our lives and share some personal experiences from surrender and acceptance to journaling practices. So come join us. Karen, thanks so much for for yeah. jumping on. And for my it, season two, I'm really excited because there's video and people. So I've, I know we've had some really interesting conversations and the fact that you agreed to have one of those conversations while hitting record I'm just so grateful. My pleasure. Yeah. So I know we talked about some different topics and I thought following your lead, we really try to root this conversation on soulful evolution and what the heck that means. So I want to hear yours first and let's just see where this takes us.
1: Yeah, I think think why I wanted to talk about this was I feel like it's been the biggest aha for me in midlife is that I need to honor my soul and trying to figure out what that even means it was more like an intuition and then it's been you know years spent trying to figure out what that means to me and I think that it's really It's an evolution from the first part of my life, which was about society's definition of success. It was about feeding and fueling my ambition. It was about external markers of success. And so this next piece, when I was thinking about my soul, it's really about understanding and knowing my values and how my values might've shifted and changed. Honestly, it's about that recognition that I am changing and evolving and that even this point that I am now, it's not an arrival. It's just a point in time on this continuum. And I don't know where I'll be you know, further on. And then I think it's that last piece, which I just touched on, of really what is success for me based and grounded in those values, grounded in this evolution or myself as I'm evolving. And I think it's through asking those big questions that I can actually start to live a more soulful life, which is one of alignment.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. You had me at success and soulful
1: for <laughs> <laughs> people. Ooh, it's a hard one.
0: <laughs> it is, you know, and I feel like as I've, I share a lot of what you have to say. Like, I feel like you're a soul sister on many levels. And I've also struggled with trying to define success when I know I'm evolving and I know I have a, I'm living from a more aligned place with my soul. And there's a much deeper connection, but then when you relate to success and having to navigate this world we live in, and you know, it gets tricky.
1: It gets tricky. I think one of the hard like where I get caught up is that I'll feel really good. I'm like, okay, I'm doing it on my own. I get to the sense of an ending of a day, and I'll feel like, oh, that was purposeful. It doesn't matter what I've been doing as long as I have that sense of purpose. And usually, it's because I have done something which I found is meaningful, whether it's honestly like cooking dinner for my family or spending time reading or writing for Holos. And then where I get tripped up is I'll talk to someone and they'll be like, oh, what are you, what have you been up to? And you try to say those things and they seem very small and almost insignificant. And they're like, oh, well, I was just at Davos speaking on the women's panel, or I was off, you know, I just closed this big, huge deal. And that's the ego in me. I can feel it respond of like wanting to play on that field. And yet the reality is I'm not really as interested in that anymore. Right. I, I just am not, but I still, I will absolutely, like. would be lying if I said I didn't still feel the pull of that occasionally. And it's also easier to quantify yeah. success that you can quantify by like a big deal or a speaking engagement or whatever it might be. That's really tangible.
0: It is tangible. And I have to even just say the fact of everything you just said is a result of your soulful evolution. The fact that you can say that and there's awareness around it for you. Like that's just in itself, like what this means that you have, you know, that you can sense it, you can relate to it, you can honor it and you can still feel the pull to want to, you know, meet success defined by someone else.
1: I think for me, the bit where I feel that I have managed to make some progress on this journey is exactly that. As I, I now sense these things happening apart from me and I I can have, I can sense that distance between the emotion or the reaction and what I would call my soul or my true self. And I don't always know what to do with it or I'm not sure I always honored the way I should. But just like you said, the fact that I can even notice that it's happening now, it gives me a chance to pause and step back and how then say, well, do I want to continue down that path or do I just need to like recognize that? Yes, it's really attractive to the ego, but I can let it go. At the Yes. Same time?
0: It reminds me of just, you know, I think of sometimes soulful evolution being living in consciousness or yeah. being more Awakened, And I, I feel like awakened is becoming a common term these days without it fully, fully appreciating the significance of it, mm-hmm. but living in that consciousness and, and that state allows you to, you know, do exactly what you just said. And it reminds me actually of my, one of my daughters is what I had thought was in a difficult place. Mm -hmm. And while she wasn't able, perhaps doesn't even have the language to express what she's feeling. I sense that there is an awareness for her. Mm -hmm. And so even as, you know, a ripe 13 year there there is still that soulful evolution. The fact that like she does sense that there's something else happening and and being curious about it. Like I feel like that is part of living in consciousness, you know, and, and being awake. So it's just it, you know, I can relate so much. It was just from conversations we've had of how that seems to be heightened when you're kind of in that midlife phase of your journey here on this planet. But I also realized just this week, it happens too at a, at a
1: young age. I, and I think I think what happens at a young age, it gets dismissed almost as growing pains, right? Or like someone they talk about it negatively as searching, like that that's a bad thing. And I would say it's really more about discovery. And if we there's a, I think there's a ton of overlap between those teenage years and midlife of that same sort of unknowingness about the future and this discovery and searching process that if we could relax into it without the pressure of a goal or knowing I'm gonna be a X or my job is this, or I am this kind of person, just let ourselves more relax into the moment and the present and our interests and our curiosity, be a lot less stressful. Right,
0: and so yeah. forgiving. Yeah. And so forgiving where you're like, oh, I discovered this. Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go this other and path. It's okay and not to like it,
1: right. Yes. And, to give up, and to give up, like where, to be able to say like, I don't want to do that anymore versus right. holding on to it so tightly to like wrapped in this like identity and you're like identity of what? I don't know.
0: Yeah, it is. It is I, a slippery slope.
1: I, it, I heard something the other day that really resonated me on that topic. Someone said, you have to let go of your calcified self. And it really has stuck with me because I think if you hold on so tightly to who you think you are, you disable the capacity for growth and evolution. And I think that growth and evolution is really the natural human state. And so you, you get in the way of what nature wants you to do when you hold so tightly to things about like a definition of yourself or I am, I am what. So I don't know, I'm, I'm playing around that as an idea right now for myself.
0: Yeah. And it's, I think in addition to how you define I am, that's so layered of, you know, what you were told you were, whether in a professional setting or growing up in your family, you know, and you layer in any ancestral beliefs or, you know, it just really makes yeah. it tricky to define who am I? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it- But I do feel like if there's that curiosity to understand the meaning beneath Mm
1: -hmm. all of this,
0: and as you said, that can happen in these teen years when they're trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, and my, I'll speak for myself and my midlife trying to figure out who I am now. It's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah. I think the other I think one of the big realizations or ahas I've had also in terms of trying soulful evolution or living a more soulful life is that it requires that I have to be more patient with myself, that I need to be more kind with myself, that there to give myself time to figure it out, but at the same time, not thinking that I'm going to arrive at some magical future, that really the present is so incredibly important and that the future is a result of the present. So like really, I, I think for me being soulful also has really been about trying to be more present in my own life day right. to day, like really honing in on that.
0: Yeah. And it's, I found when I am able to do that, cause I mean, physically every bone in my body wants to plan for the future. So it's a really, it's a practice to stay <laughs> present, yeah. but when I do it, all of a sudden I feel such Spaciousness and so expansive to really be with a feeling or be in that moment or even just to be, just to be. Yeah. Do you find that a a
1: frightening place like just to be or a concept? It's taken me a long time to recognize the power in just being, because for me it seemed a one eighty from doing, and I was like, and then I associated it with like kind of like. Being lazy and not accomplishing anything or not achieving anything. And it took me a long time to recognize that there's a subtle difference between that, that it's not the opposite of doing. It's like an expansiveness, actually. Yes.
0: Yes. I was just having a conversation on this, and that when you're being and you're still, you can connect with your inner self in a way. That oftentimes allows you to connect with a source far greater than yourself. Absolutely. And so then all of a sudden your being is soulfully doing.
1: <laughs> it's in like greater sense. It's not busyness, right? right? You've taken out the busyness, which I think is such a distraction and actually in some respects cheapens your day-to-day existence, really.
0: Right. And it's it's very, it's fragile to hold that because in this capital capitalistic world we live in, you're valued on productivity and doing Absolutely. and getting results.
1: Efficiency and, you know, <laughs> yes. Like you derive satisfaction from like, I got so much done on my to-do list today. And yes. that's to think like, should those things be on there? Was that really a good use of my time? Was it aligned with my values? I don't think most of the time people think about that, including myself. I'm yes. trying to be more intentional, but I'm saying historically, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's a blend. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, it's absolutely, it it is for sure. But, you know, I also was thinking too that when I can be in that state and be present, I feel like then my soul starts to direct me because I'm out of this busy conscious mind of doing. Yeah. And that
1: in, usually ends up a result of that is, I think, a greater sense of purpose, purposefulness, fulfillment, and ultimately, you know, moments of happiness as well.
0: Yeah. And that meaning, like a deeper meaning, you just can't even sometimes yeah. call your own.
1: I think that's why for me, where I've had to, because I was, I was far on the end of to-do lists, achievement, busyness, you know, I was, and I realized I was kind of addicted to those things. And I had to make a conscious decision that I did not want to be. And I think that that's where for me taking up a journaling practice, and I never thought of myself as someone who would journal, but taking up a journaling practice, meditating, time in nature, those things and getting really clear on some core values in my life. Those have been my touchstones that helped me whenever I start to slide back into those old habits and patterns, those are my, that's my toolbox now to get back to this place of being more centered, more grounded, more soulful, because Mm -hmm. it's hard other ways. I I don't know that we're taught or given the tools necessarily to figure out how to live a soulful life. Most of us, maybe, I don't know, maybe on the outlier.
0: (laughs) No, I'm with you. And I was, you know, when I think of kids, like they don't know any better other than to be. Yeah. And yeah. so when I watch little kids and they're like acting out or they're expressing their imaginations, it's yeah. fascinating to me. And they truly are the best teachers of how to just be and be present. Yeah. yeah. There's no toddler. I can guarantee you that's wondering, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: no, unless they wake up in the morning and they're like, I want pizza tonight. And then they keep with the pizza thing the whole day long. Right. But that's their moment. They are pizza.
0: Yes. And there's no filters for them. They just, yes. So, I mean, their soul is just radiating out of them. Whether it's their firm, no, or they're like, let's go do this. And it's just really I, I lately have found them just so fascinating. I just want to watch them and not be that creepy older. person.
1: person yeah. I've actually had this thing that I would, I've been thinking about, whereas if I could take, whether it's a week or a month, but to essentially have no plans outside of like doctor's appointments and things that are the half tos of life. Right. Sure. But outside of that and intentionally carving out time where I get my work done and you know make a two to three hour window each morning for like the creative part to not make any plans and really to try to experience being in the moment to not be thinking about the future because I'm a planner as well I love like a sense of like comfort in that but to try to distance myself from that and live with like the uncomfortableness of the now only the now I don't know there's I feel like for there's something in that for me that I might want to experiment with
0: yeah if it's it reminds me of my you know my practice I will take with me in my grave of trying to extend a meditative practice of just keeping the mind quiet mm-hmm. and can I do it longer than 10 minutes mm-hmm. you know and how often I need to keep my bring my mind back yeah. and bring my mind back so it when you had said, like, if I just, you know, blocked out my time, like, what would I do? That would be, I think even harder than a meditation. Cause I think physically I'd be like, I'd have to be out of my house. Cause otherwise I'd want to do dishes or laundry or, you know, something.
1: It's funny. You say that. Cause I'm in the process of reading 4,000 weeks and I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head right now, but it's really, it says time management for mortals. And what he argues essentially is that our brains, we are hardwired to look for distraction because we don't wanna face the fact that we cannot control the future and what is. And so what like what makes me laugh, because you're right, if you sat down for three, if you're like, okay, I'm gonna block out two hours for work, suddenly you'd be like, okay, well, what else could I do? It's really hard to focus and concentrate and to not be distracted. Yes. It's a struggle. But I think his point is a little bit is that, like, once you recognize it, that it is always going to be a struggle, you stop struggling against the struggle and you accept it for what it is. And that's another big piece, I think, of the midlife soulfulness is a little bit of learning to live with surrender and acceptance, whatever those might mean to you. But I think they're two words that kind of go hand in hand for me for midlife.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. So the surrender and acceptance brings me to, the being able to surrender to some of your life's learnings and accept them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, growing up instead of it being, you know, trauma or that missed opportunity in my career or that job I turned down that I've always regretted of realizing now that there was something else for me.
1: Mm-hmm. that it was just a, it was just a turn on the path right it was a fork in the road yeah. it was, and not painting it with these good or bad they just are yeah and, and some of them are bigger than others which is why maybe you remember like those types of things but the reality is we're making decisions and saying no and make you know taking little paths with every single decision we make whether it's what we eat for dinner or the job you didn't take or the guy you didn't marry or what whatever whatever it is yeah. I think that's right.
0: Yeah. You know, I even think of that as, you know, myself entering in a menopause and it's one of the first times in my life where I have surrendered and I have accepted it. And I feel like I've been able to dip into a level of clarity and alignment and even wisdom that I never even fathomed. Like it was just, it just happened. Hmm.
1: I think it's very freeing in some respects also yeah. right that's yeah what, actually that's what my lesson is that in learning to embrace surrender and acceptance I also get freedom from like that struggle and that pushing all the time and I can live life more in a state of flow and alignment with like a sense of like higher purpose and goals and desires that's
0: easier I guess Easier. It feels more like my truth. And there's just yes. so much more potential.
1: Yes. Right. And, and you, know, and the best part is when you do that, you're not trying to always figure out the thousand different potentials. You're like, I'm just going to kind of keep going. I think it was, I think I was listening to Martha Beck's podcast the other day. I think this is her, if I misattribute, I apologize to whoever said it, but they were talking about living your life by moving towards almost like when you play hide and seek and you're getting close to someone and they're like hot, cold, hot, hot, warmer, warmer. And she was talking about that as a way of like living your life that move towards the things that feel warmer. And when you have that sense of cold, move away from and go in a different direction. And I thought, what a brilliant, like easy to understand, easy to follow way of living that more like soulful a flow in harmony kind of life. I don't, there's something, I really like that. I was like, I'm going to do that.
0: I know. Sometimes the most simple metaphors feel like the most profound, like the most profound. you just rocked my world.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, know, <laughs> I'm like, oh my, I can do that. I was like, I can, you know, cause I know how I feel about stuff, but then if I don't let my mind override it and just go with that feeling hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah. I'll probably end up in a place that I might like.
0: Right. And even if it feels cold right now, Tomorrow, it might feel warm. Exactly. So it's not like cold forever.
1: No, it's not like saying no, like forever. It's just that continual moving and flowing, right?
0: Yes. Oh my God, yes. So I'm going to come to journaling because you mentioned you've gotten into journaling and I too have, and I'm usually journaling for other people. That's been my Hmm. corporate career of, you know, getting their messaging right or, you know, bringing a concept to market and all the language around that. And so it's been now, gosh, probably a handful of years that I have a journal practice and I love it. I'm like, I was surprised. Yeah. So tell me some of like tactics you use to get into that practice and make it a habit.
1: So I came to journaling because I was listening to a podcast and I was listening to someone who said, anybody can do anything for 30 days. If you really want to take on something that, you know, a practice that will make your life better, you have to commit for a hundred days. And this was happening at a time, I was listening to this at a time that I was also taking a writing class, a creative writing class. And it was, the output was very little. It was literally like a paragraph. You had to commit to a paragraph a day, but it got me thinking about journaling. And I was doing all this reading and everything kept, sick just, I kept I felt like I kept hearing this message, like journaling is so important. Journaling has really changed my life and I've never been into it at all. I thought, all right, I'm going to make myself journal for a hundred days. So I bought a beautiful little journal, put it next to my bed. That was the other big, one of the big key things was I had to find a time and a place that I would consistently do it. And I tried in the mornings and my mornings were just too busy for me because I like to get up and be doing stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll do it at night. And I would pick up my pen, even if I didn't want to write that night, I would write and open my journal and be like, I do not feel like journaling, but here is my journal entry for the evening. And that would be it. It was more the commitment to the hundred days. And what I found though, was that by the end of the hundred days, my journal had become a place where I could really hear myself think. Mm. And in the process of choosing the specific words or the right words it forced me to get really clear about what I was thinking or what I was feeling. And if there was a difficult thing in my life, like trying to figure out my relationship with my dad, since my mom has died, it was a place I could really delve into that deeply and honestly, without fear of someone reading it or waking up the next morning and feeling something different. And someone saying, wait, I thought you said X. And I was like, well, I did, but now I mean this. So it's become it's become a practice that I can't really imagine not having now. I, and I realistically, I journal probably four to six times a week. Now I'm not as a hundred percent consistent. Like I won't take it on vacation. I've tried that, but it's just too, this rhythm of my day is too different. But I like, I, I think I'm on my fourth book now or something and I cannot believe it.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've very similar patterns kind of having to force myself in the beginning. And I was reading the artist's way and really trying to subscribe to her morning pages. And then at first I found it relieving because I could just dump, I realized just how much chatter Mm -hmm. and that was relieving. So just experiencing that, I was like, Oh, this is nice. Like I don't have to make a decision out of anything. I'm not editing or critiquing it. It's just coming out Mm -hmm. and how freeing that felt afterwards. And so then it progressed into like, I need a journal prompt like that. I need a direction to go if I'm going to write three pages and her journal prompts ended up being really revealing that I started like one of them is, you know, what was your favorite board game you played as a child? And so I was like, you know, and it was Parcheesi. Do you remember Parcheesi? I remember Parcheesi, yes. <laughs> and so then I was like, well, now I need to write three pages on this. And as I went through it, I started to realize like why I enjoy the game and how that came through in my life of different ways. And so it was just so insightful. So then it just became like, oh, I have my own journal prompts. I have all kinds of stuff now to talk about. And, and so I've just found it really a form of therapy. Mm-hmm. A form of reconnecting and just really, in a way, has been a way for my soul to evolve. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you write three pages every day?
0: No, I have evolved.
1: That's that's impressive.
0: I've gotten back into it based on our last conversation we had where I was listening to a book and the four, four measurables, the four ways of living, the four meanings I, I, anyways, there was, there was four so simple and I really liked it. And then I was like, wait, before I read my next book, I want to spend time on those. So I started doing my three pages on the first one and it Mm -hmm. was just really, so I returned recently since our last time we saw each other to the three pages. So I know we're almost at time and I love to ask, what would you whisper to your younger self? whether it's advice or wisdom, what would you tell her?
1: That she is worthy and deserving as she is.
0: That's so beautiful. Keep it short. <laughs> short and sweet. Yeah, and so powerful. I wish that could be a message granted to every teenager right now that's trying to figure out who they are.
1: I wish I had really known that at that age. Like earlier on in my life. Yeah. That's what I wish I had known. But maybe growing up.
0: Yes. Yes. You are always such a pleasure to talk to. I'm I could talk to you for about three more hours.
1: (laughs) I love our conversation. The same. I feel the same way. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, friends, isn't she so fun? She's so easy to talk to. And the one thing I hope you got from our discussion was that soulful evolution is a discovery and it's a journey. And related to that, the three takeaways I invite you to hold is this concept of hot and cold. When you play as, you know, hide and seek as a child, where as you're approaching something in life, if it feels cold, 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 then change direction. And maybe it becomes now warm, 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 and hot, hot, hot. And I also invite you to hold on to being patient and kind with yourself. And that often means just being really present and still and really allowing. And lastly, both of us can't share enough of how journaling your journey can be so insightful and relieving. You can use those feelings as invitations to look inward, or you can also use the journaling as a way for feelings to unfold and reveal themselves. And speaking of journaling, I cannot highly recommend enough to subscribe to Karen's email, Holos. It is so good. She covers all things health, all things wellness, and is for women like us that are traveling you know, and figuring out things its adventurous. And don't forget, go to her website and check out her drips and drops because she has some really fascinating things in there. And I feel like she's kind of used herself as an adventure and experiment to try different things and offer her favorites through the drips and drops. So she's talked about supplements. She's talked about silk pillowcases, She's talked about really good mocktails. She's covered the spectrum. So definitely give it a look and I will see you on the next episode. Bye for now.